I'm Elena Salinas, and this is the Women in Tech Show, a show where women in tech talk about technology and career development. On today's episode, I talked with Emily Shea, a software engineer and artist-in-residence at Pioneer Works. Emily is currently making art with code, and this was a fun episode because we talked about seeing coding as a craft compared to as an art. We also explored topics around the creative process involved in coding, as well as the art projects she has worked on and what technologies she uses for these. If you like the show, rate it on iTunes, share it with your friends, or send a message by going to thewomenintechshow.com or by tweeting at techwomenshow. is joining us from New York. Emily, welcome to the show. I'm glad you were able to come this morning. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. You are currently making art with code. And last year, I saw that you gave a talk at RailsConf uh-huh. ab- about the notion of seeing coding as as a craft versus as art. Mm-hmm. And I want to start by talking about coding as craft. Mm -hmm. What do you mean by this? What is coding as craft? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so uh, I think like this code as craft metaphor that we've seen has kind of been cropping up. Um, It's, I think it's taken like quite a mainstream, um, uh, it's actually become quite mainstream now that I think of it. I think it kind of dated back all the way to like the software craftsmanship manifesto, I think in 1999. where a bunch of people signed, you know, this uh, sort of document stating all of these um, principles of coding, and it very much likened it to this idea of, um, you know, craftsmanship, right? Yeah. Um, and this idea of craftsmanship has uh, it's kind of rooted in like the, these the um, medieval guild traditions of sort of like continually improving your code, of like mentorship, of um, uh, what else? Um, uh, I guess like delivering like good customer uh, service, like good customer satisfaction. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot to it. But I think like, um, you know, a lot of people when they do talk about like coding as craft, they do conflate this idea of, uh, they, they often say, you know, code as an art form too. And I think that the two are very uh, different and distinct ideas, right? Yeah. And like you mentioned, it's it's become more popular. For example, you also talked about Paul Graham and his his essay, mm-hmm. Hackers and Painters. And yeah. uh, why, however, why do you think, you know, we still see coders that are merely executors? Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I definitely see this. So, yeah, um, I think the idea is kind of like dated back a while ago when you think of like coding um, at, uh, you know, like large scale sort of like enterprise companies where, um, you know, work is pretty siloed. And so you're handing developers, um, you know, the set of specifications and then they're sort of just executors. Like it's like kind of like a black box where you hand them a set of specifications and they spit out like a, you know, fully functioning product. Maybe there's some bugs or whatever that they will 
iron out. But I think like, you know, this sort of idea of coders as executors, like purely, like merely executors, um, isn't the best because it doesn't really empower coders with sort of this ability to, um, create and to think like, you know, creatively about maybe new product ideas or maybe creative ways to solve something. Um, so I think like more and more, especially with the sort of, uh, startup, um, mentality, I think yeah. like, you know, startups are pretty hot right now. And I think companies are moving towards more of a, um, you know, startup model where there's like not flat, non-hierarchical structures, yeah. um, and, uh, people across all, um, you know, uh, fields are empowered to make their own decisions. Like I think yeah. coders are also being empowered to make their own decisions to, um, yeah. you know, to create much. And, and so in, in that way, I guess, like tying back to the whole, you know, coda's craft or coda's art sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, I think like it's becoming more of an art form in a way because they are given, uh, programmers are kind of taking more creative reign over their, uh, creations. Right. Yeah. So do you think, uh, well, big companies have, um, you know, product managers that are the ones that define a vision? Mm -hmm. And do you think we're going to start moving away from that model? Or what do you think about the idea of product managers defining the vision and the programmers Mm -hmm. just Or do we need a balance? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think that there's a healthy balance to be had. I mean, I think it is like important, especially in really large companies to have like a product manager sort of, um, you know, keeping everything in check and maybe defining like the overall vision or whatever. But I think it's also important that there is some level of, um, you know, uh, uh, some level of agency that programmers themselves can have. Um, and I think like, especially with the, uh, uh, the rise of open source, like open source has become huge these days, you know, there are no product managers, uh, when it comes to, you know, open source, it's, uh, I mean, I mean, there are, uh, but you know, I think like when things are open source, they're entirely, it's entirely, a lot of the projects are just driven by developers, right. And it's driven by multiple developers contributing whatever, uh, you know, creative idea that they might have. Right. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And also, if if you're starting off as a you know junior programmer or for example i saw one of your job positions was apprentice programmer mm-hmm. was that was that the name of the job or did you did you name it that way apprentice um, programmer yeah it was called uh, uh i entered this company called wayfair through their apprenticeship yeah. program oh that's pretty cool i saw the name and i was like that that's pretty cool yeah so <laughs> so it's more of like seeing you know early developers yep they are just executing at the beginning yeah. the design and someone else's vision be- because this is also analog to history you know great masters yeah. started out as apprentices so. yeah yeah in yeah. line with the craftsmanship um metaphor that has been yeah. like taken strong root yeah 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 i think that's a that's a pretty cool job position yeah. especially for uh, someone that wants to start off in tech mm-hmm. and they didn't study cs or you know program since they were seven years old or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would definitely agree with that. Like, um, uh, you know, my company did take sort of this craftsmanship approach where they, um, took on, uh, trainees like apprentices and, um, just taught them a bunch of stuff. Right. Um, and focused on just honing their skill. 
Um, and in terms of like creative reign, like I, I would say in that program itself, like I didn't really, um, I, I was like more executing and learning and honing my skill. But I think like the creative reign sort of came afterward uh, when they hired uh, me on as like just a full fledged uh, software engineer. Um, yeah. yeah. And what do you think are some of the other downsides? You know, for example, if I if I'm a coder, I'm a developer, mm-hmm. and I'm I think of it as a craft. Mm-hmm. Are there any downsides of having this mentality? Um, yeah, I, I mean, you know, there's downsides of all sorts. Like regardless of what mentality you have, there's always pros and cons. Um, mm-hmm. I think with the craft, you know, kind of what we were going on, what we were talking about, like yeah. uh, when you see it as a craft, like oh, certainly the pros are like you're co- concentrated on improvement and yeah. mastery um but you know with when it comes to craftsmanship you're very focused on learning these already laid out principles or already laid out um yeah. you know best practices and i think if you're in that mentality you, it might be harder for you to break out of it and come up with yeah. your own practices or maybe it becomes like kind of um repetitive work for you or maybe you kind of want more um freedom of expression and yeah. i think part of what makes coding fun for me at least is that like in the capacity that I do it currently as a um, artist in residence at uh, Pioneer Works um, mm-hmm. uh, is that like for me coding is this like purely creative endeavor at the moment and there's nothing more exciting and fun than that because you feel like you are um, you know you are uh, uh, it is entirely your project is your baby right <laughs> yes definitely and let, let's talk about that you know the other Part of your talk is coding as art, and so I, I want to start, you know, first as defining the difference, like what mm-hmm. is seeing coding as art? Yeah, um, so I guess just to sort of coalesce uh, what we had been talking about, it is just yeah. this idea of, um, you know, taking the, like taking creative reign, it is this idea of seeing what you do as an art form. Um, yeah. And that's really exciting because, um, you know, there is a lot of creativity in coding and not a lot of people recognize that, right? When you see coding as a creative thing, you're more excited um, about it because you can inject your own like personal style, your preferences, your come up with like creative, uh, interesting ways to solve a solution, right? Yeah. Um, and also like, there's something to be said about, um, when you think of like creators, like artists or whatever, um, they get the recognition uh, behind their creations. I think like in the past, developers, um, all too often developers would create something and then it kind of goes unrecognized or, you know, the product manager yeah. would take all of the um, credit, I guess. But, you know, developers yeah. had a large play in that. And when they're sort of seen as the create the creative sort of... Uh, uh, power behind something, I think that they start getting the creative recognition they deserve. Yes, definitely. And also, like you mentioned, coding is a way to express yourself. You start developing a certain style when you were doing your projects on your own or mm-hmm. doing school projects. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to know your thoughts on, you know, that there's somebody that develops this style and then they join a company and they come across code reviews, you know, and then, oh, you have to conform to the style of the company and analog to history, 
you know, because I saw you have a background in history. Uh -huh. This reminded me of the salon <laughs> from France, but it might be... The salon. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> maybe maybe a little bit of that. <laughs> well, I don't know. What, what are your, your thoughts on that? You know, is it... You'll... Is it also maybe like the apprentice phase, like you'll conform to the style of a company because yeah. it's good that companies do have a style. Yeah, yeah. And then eventually you'll, you know, leave or start something on your own with you, yeah. your own ideas or... So I think that um, it is important to operate within the framework of like a company's, uh, you know, requirements and what they expect yeah. out of you. I think that's really important. Um, yeah. but I also think that even within that, there are small decisions that you can make, um, that will reveal your coding style. And I think at least at my company, you know, a lot of the times, like they were, they were, while there were some guidelines that had to be followed, yeah. um, there was a lot of, uh, uh, freedom to express your code however you wanted to at the same time. Um, so I guess like, that's another thing, like when you sort of embrace these ways of looking at coding and sort of like you know, uh, why, why, uh, like the, the, uh, sorry, the metaphor through which you understand your, uh, uh, through, uh, uh understand coding, I think like yeah. it's important to understand that these metaphors have limitations and that maybe you shouldn't embrace them like wholeheartedly sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or also, like you mentioned, because w definitely what I notice is somebody that comes from a background of uh, using a lot of functional programming, mm -hmm. you know, they, they try to apply those ideas yeah. you know, to a language that isn't, wasn't made for that. So yeah. I guess that's, that's part of what we we're talking about. Yeah. Going beyond the tabs versus spaces, you know, style. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that I really liked from that talk that you gave was the point when you start comparing snippets of code <laughs> to well-known paintings, for example, uh, to a Mondrian <laughs> or uh, to a work from Alexander Calder. Yeah. And I just wanted to ask, because what you mentioned is you show the code on one side and the, the painting or the sculpture on the other side. And the piece of code, you're like, even the colors, you know, of the variables, like because of the editor and yeah. it's a short piece of code and, you know, well-organized. Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious, did you inevitably notice this because of your background in art or like, how did that start happening that you saw? Yeah, um, <laughs> that uh, that definitely just like, I naturally started noticing it um, mm -hmm, as good. I coded. Um, and I yeah. guess I didn't really, um, I think I, uh, I think I started noticing it in, um, I mean, I'm not the first one to make the comparison between art and code, right? Like I believe yeah. um, there's a book, uh, I think it's, Introduction to Algorithms. Yeah. I'm just going to look that up really quickly. Uh, yes, by Corman, uh, Leeserson, Rivest, and Stein, the Introduction to Algorithms mm -hmm. book. Um, actually, on the cover of that is an Alexander Calder sculpture. So yes. they, they themselves like also made this um, parallel. I actually didn't, uh, I came to that conclusion separately, actually, and realized afterwards that, wait, there, there's already someone out there that, that made this um, comparison. Yeah. Um, but also as I was like preparing that talk, I felt like I should give more examples. And, um, yeah. 
I, the other one that I sort of always thought about was just like abstraction. Like I studied modern art, and so this idea of abstraction and programming was just such a like you know uh, blaringly obvious uh, parallel. Um, yeah. in code, right? Like there's abstraction in code, abstraction in art, it just does the same thing where you're kind of using like smaller components, details abstracted away to come to this like, uh, you know, uh, sort of watered down representation of something. Um, yeah. But of course, like uh, I had to, you know, come up with more examples and I think that took a little bit more thinking, but it was not a hard, um, it was like uh, a pretty natural, um, yeah. like thought process, like it just came kind of easily given the background that I have. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool. So let, let's move on to, uh, we talked about seeing coding as an art, uh -huh. you know, the code itself, what yeah. you're using, like for loops or the style that you have, but there's also making art with code mm -hmm. in more of the traditional forms that we used to accepting art, like as images or drawings or videos. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I saw that you're currently making art with code. So I'm curious, what are some of the things that you've been able to make with code? Mm, yeah. So this is, uh, yeah, this has been awesome. Um, yeah. I guess just as a little bit of a background, yeah. um, I, um, after two years, two, a little over two years of working at this company in Boston, um, I left to do a uh, kind of like a sabbatical type of thing at the Recurse Center, um, oh. where you can sort of study whatever you want, um, and I uh, or do whatever personal projects you've been wanting to work on, um, oh. and they just give you like a space and community. And so, it's free, right? It's free. It's free. Okay. Um, and if you are like a female or minority, they also, on top of that, give you like a living stipend um, or you're qualified to receive one, which is just incredible. Um, wow. It's a yeah, really that's pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely amazing. Um, so um, I spent that time working on uh, making art with uh, code mm -hmm. um, and that I would use P5.js. Um, which is kind of like a JavaScript, um, visual language library. Yeah. Um, so the end result of the, these things would be just kind of like visuals rendered on, uh, via the browser. Yeah. Um, and the things I made, they were largely abstract, um, just using, just sort of like playing around, uh, with, uh, code and experimenting with different math functions and seeing how that affected, um, how that like, you know, the cool visuals that that made. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, go ahead. What was the reason why you chose to do it using P5.js, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Did you consider other alternatives or? Yeah. Uh, so I think for me, P5 was the one I wanted to do because uh, for one, P5 has like this amazing inclusive community. Mm -hmm. um, it uh, very much welcomes uh, minorities and females. Um, and I think like, like just underrepresented groups. I really yeah. loved that about, uh, P5. And for another, um, it was very accessible. Like yeah. for me to get up and running in P5.js, uh, it was, it took me a matter of, uh, for me to feel, start feeling comfortable with it. Like I felt like yeah. a, a day is what it took. Right. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of resources, um, online. Uh, yeah. uh, if you Google like Dan Schiffman, um, he, gives an 
a, like a bunch of excellent uh, video tutorials on working mm. with P5. Um, so for me, it was like a, a, a question of accessibility. Um, yeah. And also it was just fun. Like I played around with it and I was like immediately hooked. Um, oh, cool. And it was very intuitive to work with too. I Once see. you sort of wrap your head around how it works, it just, I don't know, it just, it really clicks. Yeah. Um, the documentation was amazing. So a lot of factors went into why I chose P5. Mm -hmm. You mentioned something really interesting. You said P P5.js, uh -huh. the community was very welcoming and in inclusive mm -hmm. you know to minorities yeah how how did you get a sense of this um you got a sense of it uh even through their like documentation um yeah. if you go to their website they say like oh you know you're uh, anyone who wants to help out like you know we're open source feel free to yeah. contribute um and i do believe i uh, uh i mean the person that um, started P5JS or leads the development of it, Lauren McCarthy. She also, um, I think she's spoken in, uh, I think like across various, um, like, uh, conferences or, uh, uh, interviews about how she wants to build an inclusive community around P5 as well. Um, so I think like from the get go, it's always been, uh, inclusive. So a lot, a lot of the, Part of it was also because there were women talking about this technology. Yeah, and the fact that a woman like was the one that led the development of this technology, I think that's also huge, right? Mm, okay, that that's really interesting that you point out. That was part of the positive things that attracted you to this technology. Mm -hmm, yeah. So, also in related to your projects, what what is your workflow when you are making an image or a video? Do you have a workflow, or is it mostly experimenting and tweaking well i guess that is a workflow yeah so. that's uh sometimes i'll have like a vague idea of what i want to do in the end mm -hmm. yeah. um and then off of this vague idea um i start experimenting and tweaking and i think that's mm -hmm. part of the reason as to why uh making art with code is just so exciting right like um the possibility like you can the experimentation value out of it is just huge right like yeah. Uh, I think, think about like when you're working with, uh, painting or something, like you, in order for you to like, you know, when you get to point X, should I do point, should I do fork over to, you know, Y or Z? You know, like you can't really try both, uh, departures yeah. or because you'd have to, I don't know, like scrap it and start over again or something. Whereas with code, you know, like it's just a matter of deleting a couple lines of code and then writing something else. Uh, yeah. to try another approach, right? Or to try a different, like, departure. Um, git reset head or something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Just do a git reset head. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what got you interested in making art with code? Were you influenced by specific artists or was there something you saw? Or was it just um, natural because of your background in history and art? It was a natural gravitation. Um, mm -hmm. because of my background. Yeah. Um, and I think like, I've always, you know, I've always had this interest in art. Uh, I've always had this interest in code. And I just think yeah. it made a lot of sense to be able to bridge the two, um, uh, by coding. And, um, yeah. Um, also, sorry, uh, I didn't really uh, finish up the, uh, original, uh, question you had 
as to like what sort of uh, things I make with code. So I do do P5.js, um, but also more recently I've uh, started doing processing too. Um, and when I started um, my uh, artist's residency, which I'm currently doing um, at Pioneer Works, I, have, uh, I started working with processing, um, which is essentially the same as P5.js, um, but in Java. And uh, that was so I could start doing, um, like working with sensors because the libraries around the sen uh, sensors like connect or uh, leap motion were more fully fleshed out in that uh, in processing. So are you making images using the connect or? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, like um, it, one project that I did was I uh, used the connect to gather data about like uh, like a participant's um, or observer, I guess. I don't know what you call someone who observes the art. Uh, like their uh, their uh, sort of body's position in space, and mm -hmm. I just mapped that onto a particle system um, and generated all sorts of fun effects. So that was like an example of a project that you can make with code in Python. So last question: What sort of things do you want to explore? You know, in the next few months with art and coding. Mm, there are a lot of um, there are a lot of things I want to explore. So another thing that I've discovered uh, into this, like with this foray into creative coding of mine, mm -hmm. is uh, 3.js. Mm -hmm. uh, so 3.js um, is just like a really efficient um, library to allow you to do shaders in JavaScript um, on WebGL, uh, I believe. Mm -hmm. And um, if you look that up, like the things that you can make with it are just super cool. Um, another thing I wanted to try diving into is D3. Uh, I wanted oh, to, yeah. yeah, D3 is more well known, I think, like, uh, it's, uh, people use it. Is that the one they use for plotting and then graphs and yeah, it's things like that? data yeah. visualization. Um, yes, correct. it's a really good data visualization library. Um, yeah. so I've been wanting to learn that as well. Um, and then, and I guess otherwise, um, Oh gosh, like there are just so many things I want to be able yes. to do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, already, Connect. like, yeah. yeah. I'm already, That's like, cool. even in P5 and processing, like, there's just a million ideas that I want to try executing on, but just haven't had the time to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, Emily, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm so glad you were able to come. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun to talk about. Mm -hmm.